you're listening to the next team podcast hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the next team podcast we're doing football today and it's episode 52 and i have being joined by yash and arjun uh, i wouldn't say our usual suspects because we haven't had some suspects for quite some time uh, it's been the better part of 6 months since we uh, last uploaded and uh, we honestly don't have much excuses i mean we just didn't bother uploading to be honest and uh, this year this is our resolution we hope to revive the podcast back to its glory days and uh, hopefully give you weekly uh, content which you guys look forward to uh <laughs> new year new tnt and new year new tnt that's the spirit yes exactly and um yeah uh before i begin uh, as usual please remember to check us out on youtube and spotify as the next team podcast and instagram and uh tiktok as the next team sg uh so be sure to follow us on all these platforms and uh look out for the much awaited content and we promise you it won't be uh in another 6 months it will be probably in a week's time yeah uh but anyway since three of us are gathered here today you guys should already know which fixtures we're going to be talking about and that will be the manchester derby and the north london derby so with two arsenal fans out here so uh we'll just start off with the nld and uh boys any of you guys can get it started let's go i'm feeling amazing man very amazing today right arjun <laughs> so uh, so is it coming home boys is 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 the league title coming home to arsenal is it coming home to the emirates i would say we should just take it one game at a time see how it goes <laughs> that's what arteta has been saying man all the while as man bro man is too scared to admit it <laughs> see i i i would admit it in the sense that i believe we can win it but i don't want to okay. say we will win it because later you guys will come after me Uh, at the end of the season if we don't win it so i can i, I want to be I, humble I mean, stay in grounded. my mind i'm already editing this snippet of you saying we're winning the league boys <laughs> and then what city stand here on the last day <laughs> i can just see it happening uh but um yeah okay let's let's talk about the match in in um, yeah more specifically for the match itself uh how do you guys think you guys did like i i wasn't awake to watch the match but of course i watched the highlights Uh, in my opinion, it, well, the first one was a scrappy goal, but the second one was a really nice goal from Martin Odegaard. Um, yeah, your thoughts on how the game went in general? I think it's if if you followed how both teams have played this entire season, I think the first half kind of went how we always start very fast, Spurs start very mm-hmm. slow, and then I think the first half we just we were just too good for them, and they just didn't turn up. This, um a game of two halves in a way because second half I think we didn't really have to go chasing for any more goals we just kind of managed the game Spurs had chances in second half because they they mm-hmm. have to they needed I mean it's a derby uh, if they don't their fans are going to crucify them uh, yeah. and and they did have chances but just yeah, tactically yeah uh, we apologize for Arjun's Wi-Fi it'll be coming on yeah. and off but uh, Yash you can take over maybe. <laughs> I mean I was just going to say that honestly the match was like Arjun said a game of two halves but like the first half we completely annihilated them like mm-hmm. nothing which Spurs offered in the first half that they had any answer to 
Like I know you said like the first goal was a bit scrappy, but if you actually watch the game, it had always been, always been coming. Spurs mm-hmm. were all pinned into their box and you know, like the whole Arsenal midfield was just dictating the tempo throughout the first half. And uh, the only chance they had was, I think, towards the end of the half where Harry Kane had the hater saved, I think. And I think mm-hmm. another Son had a chance as well, somewhere in between. Uh, but apart from that, like, yeah, we, we were really superior, in my opinion. And then second half, like, like he said, we managed the game really well. Uh, we just had to, you know, be disciplined, learn from what we didn't do at Old Trafford basically, yeah. which was, you know, go all guns blazing and just lose the plot in that game. But um, yeah, I mean, it just shows the progression we have made as a team where the team is just so well balanced and disciplined. We know when we need to attack, when we need to defend. And mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of amazing, like s- solid structure, basically. Like Spurs didn't even get close. And then a big shout out to Ramsdale because uh, he made a few amazing saves, honestly. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's just a tale of two halves in a way, but then it's overall still a game well managed. Fair point, fair point. I mean, uh, we were earlier talking uh, offline about Conte. So, do you guys think his tactics are outdated or like, is is, is it like, maybe, is he, is he like Mourinho maybe, like, um, maybe his tactics don't work anymore. What do you guys think? I wouldn't say they don't work. Just maybe not mm-hmm. enough to win a league title. Like, yeah, I think that's what, the best. What? Yeah. I... No, we, lo- we lost him again, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I was just going to say that, just like Arjun mentioned, the football is not sustainable. It's a little bit of like, you know, terrorism football, which Conte and also, to be fair, Newcastle are a bit playing as well. I mean, I guess they played that against us at the Emirates, so that's why I'm still a bit, you know, gutted that we dropped two points in that game because, and should have had two penalties as well in that game. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of football is just not sustainable. Like, you win some games, you lose some, you lose more games than you win, actually. Because, uh all the quality teams will always find a way to break through the defense, no matter how, you know, solid you go. So if you don't have emphasis in that transition play and getting the ball forward as often as you can, then, um, yeah, you you might actually concede more goals than the goals you score, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arjun, do you, were you going to say that or do you have any uh, alternating viewpoints? Uh, no, I, I just think that while contest football can be effective, Given how like even the lesser teams nowadays are quite technically like proficient, like teams yeah. like Brighton and and West Ham keep the ball. Oh, is it? Is it gone? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. No, no, I was laughing at Brighton because uh, <laughs> of course we also saw our <laughs> Merseyside neighbors uh, get yeah. back three 0 But yeah. we won't be going into that too much. I think we don't cover mid-table teams in the podcast. So yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I just think that... I, I'm not sure if that's a dick at Liverpool or Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point Brighton are probably going to get Europa League at least uh, but by, by the looks of it but yeah um, coming back Arjun sorry uh. yeah um, I just I just think that um, the way Conte's teams play they give way too much time on the ball for their mm-hmm. opposition so yeah. it, it just it just opens them up to you know conceding goals against even lesser opposition not just against top teams like Arsenal and so over yeah. the course of 38 games 
Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi again. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Uh, it's, it's okay, it's uh, okay. I can't help it. It's okay. No yeah, so yeah, that's that's all I wanted to add. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right. Um, I mean, anything else? Any other observations from the game? Okay, maybe let's not talk too much about the game, but how about let's talk about how the season has gone for you guys um, thus far. Uh, your only loss was against us, which I was fortunate enough to witness at Old Trafford itself. Um, and uh, you guys are going to be facing us in a week's time. Not even a week's time, it's a few days actually. Actually, sorry, about a week. Yeah, I would say about yeah, a week. Six days. And uh, Six days, yeah. And uh, I mean, you guys probably are the, are the team to beat in the league at this point. You guys have only lost once. Um, so what do you think it has come down to? So is it... Ateta's tactics, the players, or what has been uh, ticking for you guys? I will say one thing, and this is just what my own opinion I feel is that what happened last season, the way we lost top four, those three games which we lost, and, and then especially the Spurs game which we lost 3-0, and the mm-hmm. game of Newcastle game which we lost 2-0, which technically defined our season. I think that yeah. experience is what has made Arsenal what it is today. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel... Like, I don't think with that, without that experience, we would be this good in the Premier League right now. That's just my true, honest opinion. Like, it made Arteta even better manager. It made the players even mentally stronger to deal with the pressure and even more hungry for success, basically. I mean, none of us at the start of the season even predicted Arsenal to be in the conversation for the Premier League title. We were just thinking top four, Max. You, in fact, because went even as low as sixth for Arsenal, so... Uh. I can't find the video, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like, I feel that whole experience just made a huge change. And then, of course, the arrival of mm. Zinchenko and Jesus made a huge difference as well. But um, yeah, I think it's it's just that whole experience. And like sometimes, you know, they say you have to go through hardships to get even better. And I feel that's what mm-hmm. has happened with this club. And what's just so exciting about this is that all of our, or majority of our squad are, is not even at their peak yet. They're not even at the peak That's age true. in terms of footballing experience. So if we end up winning a Premier League at this, like this season, it's just a truly magnificent, like, achievement, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, did you guys think when Arteta started um, his management and he was going through that whole rough patch, you know, people were saying Arteta should be sacked, and then people were criticizing Edu's transfer policy, the players he was bringing in. I'm, I think you guys were on the side of what is, what are they doing? You know, like these guys have no idea what they're doing, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think, or like, look at yourselves honestly. You guys probably were on the side of what, what, what is this club doing? I mean, right? I will, I will admit for the fact that I remember, I can't remember, is it two years ago or what? But when we were, yeah. we lost to Everton. I don't know if you remember yeah. that game, Arjun. We lost. 2-1 or 2-0, I can't remember. Odegaard yeah. scored that game, but we ended up losing. And that was like a 7-8-9 games long streak, which Arteta had not won. I was honestly like, I felt that maybe he might not be the right manager for the job. I mean, I was questioning him, don't get me wrong. But I'm so glad that we actually st- like stuck out with him throughout. That I think since that City game, which we lost 2-1, it's just been an upward spiral for us, despite losing that game. And I think if you guys watched the game, you know that that game we totally dominated at City, but we still lost that mm-hmm. game. And yeah. at that point of time, City were the team to beat instead of Liverpool. Yeah, I remember that game. I mean, yeah. you guys, see, the thing is, I feel before this season, you guys were playing well, but not perhaps getting the results to go with it. Um, but 
this season is when you guys are finding a way to win games which you may not necessarily have won in another season yeah so i think that's that's been the big difference and i mean i hate to admit it but it does seem like you know the premier league title is looking more and more likely for you guys um but then it also begs the question you know like if a manager like ateta is able to prove his metal for a team like arsenal right should most managers be given just as much time as ateta or do you think that some managers you know they deserve the the sack right away what do you guys think maybe arjun can take a stab at this hopefully his wifi holds yeah, yeah. I, i think if ateta uh despite all the noise outside like especially after the second season where we you know we just it just was a bad season there really wasn't any much yeah. any positives to yeah. see but i think one one thing it shows is that so how uh-huh. in terms yeah, of your your back on your back on yeah sorry yeah just shows how like far behind we are in terms of how like our knowledge is uh, when it comes to the game because mm-hmm. honestly like when i look back and i see like how all the managers were talking about him like i remember there was one game we lost to tottenham like it was one of the worst games i've seen uh. We were playing at White Hart Lane. We lost two nil, and Mourinho. First thing he did was congratulate Mikel. Uh, I'm sorry, Arteta, on how good we were technically. And at that time, everyone just thought, "Oh, he's just he's told." Yeah. And stuff like that, but it shows that how far ahead the like football people are ahead of the casual fans like us are. So it really is really difficult for us to be able to answer that kind of question, and it's a case by case basis, like. You can look at Porter at Chelsea. You know, you know he's also a young manager that's rated really highly, similar to Arteta. Of course. So like you might think, okay, yeah, he should get that time, but really, it really depends on how good he is tactically and how good he is, fast he can bring a consistent style of play. It is something that, mm-hmm. even though we didn't get the results I saw from Arteta from day one, but with Porter, yeah. I'm not quite seeing it also. So, it really depends. Like it really depends on how, how the manager is tactically. And whether he has that mentality to go through all those rough patches, because I don't know when to all that. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like, I mean, look at Chelsea's model, for example. They keep sacking managers. Of course, with the new owner, he's taken a slightly different approach. I'm pretty sure if this was Abramovich, Potter would have been long gone, right? But mm. at, at this point yeah. in the season, um. So, I mean, what do you guys feel? You guys feel that? I mean, I mean, of course, in the modern day. You see managers come and go quite often. Like for United, we haven't gotten it right for many years now. I I'd say like maybe Ten Hag seems to be the right option so far. We'll come to that soon. But do you think that managers should be adopting more of an Arsenal style? I mean, I know just I mean I know you you said that you know we as a layman we can't really tell about the tactical nuances of managers, but just from as 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 I mean, what's your what's your take on it, guys? Like doesn't have to be a a stupid point anything just a layman take yeah i mean what i would say is that it just it's not just the whole it's not solely on the manager basically it needs to be a full club effort like what you mm-hmm. saw with adida was like we as a club arsenal we had everyone aligned to the goal which we want to do which was yep. get arsenal back to the top and that meant like edu supported him the cronkis supported adida as well and they got him the players which he felt was right for him you know which fit fit the profile i'll give you, like the perfect example is just 2 days ago when mudrick signed for chelsea we arteta yeah. wanted mudrick a lot and we bid three yeah. times for him and we bid up to about 95 million euros which is 
insane for a player who's not even played 40 league games, by the way. Yeah. So we I, I honestly I was surprised that we even went that far for him, but it just showed that we wanted him. But we stuck mm-hmm. true to our principles and values that we knew that we cannot overspend on players. And but, I mean, basically what I'm trying... 95 million and 100 million. That's like I... Yeah, I mean, see, in, in whole big perspective, is there's not more not there's not much difference of like five yeah. million. I'm pretty sure we have the money in the bank to pay five extra million. But it's all about yeah. the principles of where you actually value the player. Like if I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. the way I read, read it as that the Arsenal board, we have a valuation of what he was worth it and what we might max go to achieve him. And if we if Shakhtar's asking more than that, then so well be it. We will leave the deal if that's the case and move on to mm. other targets. But my point of here is saying is that we are not like the whole model of the club is just structured towards in a way where it's each unit is supporting one another. And yeah. that's what's also helping Arteta and helping the results on the pitch. So it's not solely just based on the manager. That's my opinion. Of course, the manager has to be very tactically sound. And in Arsenal's perspective, what he has done is he's identified the targets he wanted for his system and told the board, hey, get me this guy. Whereas for some other clubs, I don't really feel that's happening. Like you just look at Todd Bowley spending money left, right, center. I don't think like, honestly, like it's all Potter signing. Maybe some might be, some might not be. We don't know. Time will tell. But like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like for Chelsea's case, like the whole Mm. structure of the club is aligned towards the goal. Like I totally agree. We should give Potter more time. But then if the board is not doing what Potter wants, then it's very hard for Potter to also succeed in the same place, you know? I think that's the big difference, right? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, on the point of club structure, I think it's a good point to probably segue into United because, of course, the man you see uh, on my wall, which I haven't seen for a couple of months, um, Mm. he he mentioned in an interview with Piers Morgan um, about how the structure in the club is not... Uh, there for United to win big. Um, he mentioned how things have not changed from the time he used to be a United uh, back in like 07, 08 and 09. And uh, I mean, that to me as a fan uh, tells me like, you know, as much as we are playing well right now, we probably don't have the structure to probably take us to become an elite level club, you know, like um, Perhaps I'd say, for example, infrastructure-wise, Arsenal are probably miles ahead of us. They have a modern stadium. They have signings. The facilities are probably better than us. Whereas for us, like from what I hear, like the technology has not been improved much. Uh, and I think that is a cause for concern. I mean, I visited Old Trafford personally myself, and uh, it 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 doesn't even have a digital screen. To, to put things into perspective. I mean, modern stadiums these days, they have a live-action replay screen. Um, I, I'd say in, 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 in most stadiums, I'd say around the world, even even our Singapore Sports Hub has one, you know. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> for a country, you know, where football is not uh, at the top of its uh, emphasis, we even we have, a, I guess, a, a more modern uh, stadium compared to uh, some of the biggest clubs in the world, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's just something, it's a good point you brought up about how you can't really rely on the manager, you probably need uh, the structure around him uh, to yeah. be supported and eventually uh, get to where they want to get. And, and I just uh, wanted so- to add, because a small point to that is that I was just surprised that this whole process was so aligned. Because as Arsenal fans, I'm sure I actually remember, we felt like Kronkis do not want to spend. And honestly, 
Conkers have actually invested quite a lot in the club at the, at this point of time. Like although our signings, like they're not huge money signings apart from Pepe, which he spends seventy million, which was a full travesty. But um, <laughs> but apart from that, like we have not spent huge money, but we've spent in a lot of areas, and. That's just what is, is something surprised to us like, because as Arsenal fans, if you remember from the Wenger era, we wanted yeah. Kronkis out. We didn't want them We because we felt that he wasn't invested in our club and stuff. But in fact, just I think the West Ham game, he was inside the stadium as well. So it's it just shows how everything has changed. And even now that we are sort of in the Premier League fight, we are looking to invest, hopefully. We, I mean, we shall see. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know, just want a small point I wanted to bring up. Before you move on to United, yeah, I mean, fair enough, fair enough. Because uh, it, it leads up really well to well to the Glazers, like how they're. Yeah, of course. Right I mean, it's, it's in stark contrast, you know. I mean, when I was there at Old Trafford, the protests were going on. I mean, they were selling <laughs> glazed out banners to us as well. Uh, of course, I mean, for me, I didn't want to get involved in it because, of course, the the crowds do tend to get a bit uh, violent and rowdy. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's clear to see how stark. Um, the popularity of the owners are for both clubs. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say, I mean, maybe off the pitch, things aren't as great for us. But on the pitch, uh, I have to say that uh, Ten Hag has been doing absolute bits this season. Uh, I think he, I think I read some stat that he has achieved the same number of wins uh, halfway through the season as uh, Man United did last season. In the whole of last season, rather, yeah. So oh. that is that to me is like an insane stat, actually. Um, I, I think that's I think that that stat I read was probably for all competitions, obviously, not for oh. the Premier League. We haven't completed twenty games yet. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's come in. He's had a vision. He once wanted to implement a particular style of play, he, which he believed was right. Um, of course, some players didn't come on board. Biggest example is that man there right there, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I mean, okay. I mean, since we, I since, I we never, I never had a chance to talk about it. I think this is a good time to talk about Ronaldo. Uh, personally, when he did the interview, of course, like any other United fan, I felt betrayed uh, a bit. But uh, after sitting on it for a few days, I realized actually it took a lot of guts for him to come out and say it because I don't think. I mean, of course, if anyone was going to say it, it's probably him because of the immense credibility and. I mean, just the massive football icon he is. He is, he is a superstar. So he is, he, if anyone could make it, he could make it. But if you think about it, I, I feel like he really didn't have much to gain from that interview. Honestly, if, if you think of it in hindsight, and it, it seemed to come from a point of like, you know, he just wanted A, to be respected, B, to play, and C, ultimately he felt like things were not where it needs to be for the club. I mean, if you look at it objective, objectively, of course, he said some things, you know, that that could trigger the emotions of a few Man United fans. But if you look at it just objectively, just, just, let's talk about the facts here. The fact is our technology is not up to scratch. The fact is he wasn't respected by the manager. The fact is he didn't suit our system. So obviously, with, with given these facts, you kind of understand where he's coming from. So for me, Ronaldo, yeah, um, a part of me felt, hopes, I mean, wished that it ended a bit more peacefully, but you know, he chose this path and unfortunately, the World Cup didn't go that well for him. Uh, obviously, knocked out by Morocco. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, Messi is the GOAT. 
uh, but Ronaldo is a very very close second, and uh, I mean yeah, it, 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 I can't bring myself to see as a good after watching Messi win the World Cup. So yeah, so that's the Ronaldo debacle done. And uh, but I just wanted coming... to add that I, about for the Ronaldo thing, I feel it's like just from an outsider perspective, I felt it was just a yeah. way for him to try to find a move out of United because I felt he wanted to leave in the summer, but his wishes were not respected, I guess. Yes, that too. Yes, that too. Yeah. That was mentioned in the interview. As and, well, yes. and then even after that, Ten Hag didn't play him. Then that, that's another disrespect for him. I mean, I'm not saying he should be starting, but then like what I would say is that Ten Hag didn't show it like, Fair enough. It's his philosophy. Whatever he wants to do, he's up yeah. to it. But like, I think, I, th- I think the key is was his kid, right? Like they didn't believe um, when he he mentioned something about his kid being sick, and this was after he had just, I mean, his wife, sorry, had just suffered a miscarriage. So mm. I mean, I think from just a human point of view, I completely understand his frustrations. And to add to that, of course, whatever is going on on the pitch as well. So it, it yeah. wouldn't have been a pleasant uh, time for him at that time. So I, 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 I completely mean, understand why he was so frustrated and decided to you know, just kind of screw his club over, yeah. I guess. I mean, the sad part of this is that people will not re- remember him for the 10 years or whatever he has spent at United, but they'll remember him for the last two months of his tenure at United more than did it for okay, his I would disagree with that. I, I, I would disagree with that. It's more... Or at least the majority uh, of the committee... Oh, no, no, I don't think so. I think more of it. It comes down to more of a fact of like, um, probably the way he ended it is that, but it doesn't ruin his legacy of what he did. For I agree, the club because, yeah, I wouldn't say it. It just puts a sour end to it. That's all, you know. I mean, like, can't for example, like Wenger. Honestly, I know Wenger was a manager, but yeah, yeah in a similar course, way, yeah. he had a he had an amazing legacy for most of the years he was there, but he had a sour end. Uh. It wasn't a it wasn't yeah. a happy uh, definitely. He definitely mm-hmm. left with some kind of like like resentment towards the club and the fans. I mean, yeah. how long did it take for Wenger to come back to <laughs> Yeah, but 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 that's the thing. The difference here is that the way a lot of United fans felt towards Ronaldo, I mean, if you ask other United fans, they felt really betrayed by him, like you mentioned yeah. before. But I feel like majority of the United fans are riding on emotion rather than they're looking at it objectively, you know. That's what I feel. Because I mean it's very natural to feel like because no other player has the balls to do it, like to to put it explicitly as possible. You know, like which I other player really had? I did think he Sorry, brought yeah. some valid points as well, like about yeah. We not like him talking about. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 about him, what? Sorry. Like I, I thought he made some valid points about the club yeah. structure and stuff. Maybe the the talk about the teammates and the manager. Uh, that's why he loses. It's a bit sticky. Yeah, that's true. I think that's fair. Him talking about uh, the club, like I can, like I know he genuinely cares for the club. Uh. Like you can tell he does, uh. but at the same time yeah. you can also tell that he's fighting a battle with his ego when it comes to like his playing time, and that's where like the friction and yeah. like the throwing the players under the bus comes. Uh. So it's hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's my perception of it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you make a fair point. Like I'm not saying Ronaldo is like a saint or anything like that. Uh, I mean, he has his flaws, but I feel like those are the flaws. Which get, which get him to the level he is because he because yeah. I feel for uh, any yeah, any person right. who's at the top of their field, especially for a guy, you've probably worked hours and hours to achieve that, and of course with that you bring your ego right, and mm. I think that's what it is. So of course it's I'm not saying he's perfect or anything, but 
I just feel the majority of the points he brought up were valid, and um, you know, some I think probably I mean I don't think we're going to win the league this season. Like I mean, as much as um we are suddenly in the I mean suddenly dark horses for it, but like it it just me for me I think in order for us to actually get to the position where Arsenal are in, we probably have some work to do as a club in terms of the structure, in terms of the facilities, in terms of the stadium. We still have a long way to go, in my opinion. So, But all I would say is we are getting things right on the pitch. And uh, and that that brings a nice segue to the game itself, which was the Manchester derby. So, 2-1. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I think we were a bit lucky to get the win. I have to be honest. Uh, not only because of the goal, the, the, the controversial offside goal, but just the overall game itself. Because I don't... I think we were the better team across the ninety minutes, uh, by an inch, maybe like uh, maybe like a few by a few chances, probably. But in terms of whether we we deserved really to win, I I I'd say a draw was probably a more fair result given the balance of play. Um, but yeah, let's let let's just unpack uh the goals. So first up, of course, I mean, first half. Okay, first let's talk about the first half actually. First half, I don't know if you guys watched it. First half, we were the dominant team. Uh, of course, my stream wasn't working till about 30 minutes, but I watched the highlights. Uh, it was a frustrating 30 minutes for me. But uh, from what I saw, I think we were the dominant team. We, I think Ten Hag got it absolutely right. Uh, he knew that City were going to keep possession. But, you know, structurally, we were fantastic. Uh, I mean, and Varane, Casemiro have been... I mean, they're just showing... You can tell they're a class apart from everyone else on the pitch. You can just uh, you can just tell. Like, five-time Champions League winners, you know. like You can see the class on the pitch. So... For me, Casemiro has been the signing of the season because he has really put in a shift. You can you can tell that he was the missing link for us all these years, you know. Um, that that world-class marquee holding midfielder, which teams that or the top teams in the world have. And yeah, he 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 has really proven his metal despite his age, his price tag, whatever. And uh, of course, we have to talk about the main man, Marcus Rashford, who's been on a red-hot form. And it's really pleasing to see as a United fan because I still remember how it was uh, during the Euros and last season. And, you know, it was it was just sad to see. It was to a point like, you know, you almost felt sympathy towards him. But this season, he's just come out a different animal. It was unfortunate that he didn't feature that much in the World Cup, even after scoring a hat-trick against Iran. But uh, I think he's... Proven, I think right now on based on form, he's one of the best players in the world right now. I, I on on purely on form, just saying on form. Uh, but he has a long way to go to like probably catch Mbappe or like Haaland, you know, because those guys Mbappe did it in the World Cup final. Haaland is scoring for fun every game, so to reach that level at a consistent basis is is of of course a new a whole new ball game. But just on right right now on form, he's one of the best players in my opinion. Okay, uh, you can you probably you, you guys can probably disagree. I don't know. Uh, oh, but I think, it's fair. I think that's a fair statement. I hope I hope it's a fair statement. Uh, but yeah, so we were early. I mean, we were we were dominating the first half. Uh, but second half, of course, we started very poorly. I thought we kept giving the ball away cheaply, uh, too many times. And because of that, City were dominating the possession. They were creating more of the chances. And of course, around the I think sixty sixth minute, if I'm not wrong, uh, my man JG JG ten. Jack Grealish came on and scored uh, <laughs> a rare, a rare headed goal for him. Uh, thought, but see, I thought uh, uh, 
we I thought we defended well, but we just didn't retain possession well enough up until that point. And one city score, I just thought, you know, like it's probably too good to be true, you know, like because we were coming off the back end of a very good run of fixtures. So it just felt like, you know, City was just too big a test for us. But uh, out of nowhere, uh, once again, the controversial offside goal. Okay, um, let's, let's, I mean, I just want to know your thoughts, guys. Do you think it's offside? I did think it was offside, to be honest. Like, really? I, I, okay. I did think it was. But at the same time, like, I've seen those, like, I remember, I don't know whether Yash remembers or not, but it was against Chelsea in the FA Cup final. It was mm-hmm. kind of a similar situation where Ramsey went for the ball, then he left it. Then Alexis mm. scored. Do you remember? Like, yeah, yeah. I the remember. thing is, this goal is a bit more exaggerated in the sense that Rashford ran onto the ball. He did no, drop the defender's oh, okay. power ultimately. And I just feel yeah. like yeah. I just feel like ultimately that's too much of an of an involvement. Because like the under the new interpretation of the rule, right? It's not just a whether you touch. Play. It's about and, in, in, it's about involvement, right? That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, so for me, I think it was an interference in play. But yes. but having said that, uh City lost, so that's good for us. So in my <laughs> opinion, it's a correct decision. <laughs> yeah. GGMU. Okay. GGMU. But okay, I mean, uh looking back to the rule itself. <laughs> uh I personally feel it's a bit of a gray area. Um it's a 50-50 call, in my opinion. Like, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, yeah, of course, I, I, I'm I happy that, you know, the goal got counted and all. But I would say this. Um, usually, those kind of offside calls are given if it interferes with the keeper. Those are the times I've mainly... Because usually, these kind of offsides are given when, let's say, there's an offside player blocking the path of the keeper and hence mm. impeding his vision or, like, you know, blocking his path to dive. Right. In this case, I did not see any such instance. Mm. Perhaps the defensive line, of course, because you know they were trying to play Rashford off and they did it successfully. But then somehow, because he was close to the ball, they couldn't get close to the ball as well. And then yeah. Bruno comes on and scores. So because I've never seen something like that, a unique situation like this being given offside, I have to say that I err on the side of it being a goal. But then again, based on the letter of law, I mean letter of the law, I I'd say that it is probably, you know, a 50-50 call. So in, in this case, I'd say like City are unlucky. But if the goal had not been given, I'd say United are unlucky, you know. Like that, that that's my take on mm-hmm. it. Uh, more on the fence rather than anything, because it really is a very subjective call. And I don't think anyone can be hundred percent sure whether or not it's offside. Because of how the rule has been applied in the past uh, past few years, yeah, uh, that's just my take on it. I mean, uh, Yash, the, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, a lot of times, because when you try to play someone offside, you successfully play them in at least in terms of the play on field. And when you mention about the keeper's stuff, like usually these kind of fouls uh, or like offsides are given when there's an impeding in front of the keeper or something like that, something along those lines. But that that it. Like, I agree that it's kind of like a gray area. It's like, you know, when you, like, a shirt pulling, basically. Anywhere else on the pitch, a lot of times you get an easy foul. But then when it happens in the penalty area, sometimes you get a penalty, sometimes you don't get a penalty, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, 
Yeah, there's there's no real re- No, I, I I'd say this is even more rare because something like this doesn't really happen that often. I don't know. Like we yeah, haven't of had such a controversial mm. offside call in a while because you know VAR is supposed to remove that ambiguity, but this is a very special scenario where one player is sort of coming into an offside position and then the player doesn't touch the ball. But you can some people argue that because he was so close to the ball, he was actually dribbling with the ball, you know. He was sort of yeah, in control. Of he the didn't ball. actually so, touch the ball. So then yeah, the green so, Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, I think for, I, I'll still send fifty on the fifty fifty call. Uh it was a very nice goal, in my opinion. Uh I think Casemiro was the one that gave the assist, if I am not mistaken. Uh correct me if I'm wrong. Because I can't remember, I can't exactly remember who gave the assist, but it was a very nice ball uh played in. Let me take a look. Who gave the assist? Who gave the assist? Assist, yes, uh, was by Casemiro. So this was in the 78th minute. And um, of course, uh, out of nowhere, Marcus Rashford pulls up again to one Man United. And uh, the best part was, I actually got spoiled for the goal from my dad. My dad called me up. He was outside watching it with his friends. And then he was <laughs> he was just excited. Uh, the fact that it was 2-1. And then, yeah, he kind of spoiled the game for me. <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh yeah, and then I saw the goal unfold. But uh, I have to say, Garnacho is really proving his metal. He's caught, he is contributing in the big games. So this is something for a, that is huge for an eighteen-year-old in the Premier League. Um, I mean, what, what what do you guys feel about his talent? Is it something that you think next season he's gonna break? Could gonna be his breakout season, or you think it's too early? Or what do you guys think? In given ten house track. Ah, oh, we lost him again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. you're back again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I was, I was saying like given that Ten Hag has a track record of developing these kind of players, young players, mm-hmm. I I think you can be excited. I like I like his mentality more than anything. Like I haven't really watched him consistently enough to of talk course, about his yeah. style of play, but I like that he's always mentally up for the fight. And like mm-hmm. I just I, from what I've heard from Man United fans, he seems to have seems to have a, has to have a good attitude of, and someone who's yeah. hungry to improve himself. It reminds me of Martinelli of in a way when he first. Yeah, I, I think I, I think there are similarities, especially with um the way they use their speed to their advantage. You can really see this guy has um, you know he 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 can really clock some you know yeah. clock some, and um yeah he I think he is definitely one for the future. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of Greenwood a bit, I guess. But Greenwood, of course, was much more versatile, mm-hmm. uh, with both feet. And that versatility is yet to be seen. Uh, he probably has to score on a more regular basis. But um, from what I've seen from him so far, I think he the fact that he is able to create such an impact in the big games is what is really encouraging for me. And, um, you know, who knows? I mean, I think he could be a potential starter for the next rest of the season because he is playing that well. He, I'd say he's probably outperforming someone like Anthony, who hasn't been performing badly per se, but it's more of, you know, it's, it's good to see that that is the standard to be in the first team, you know. I think that's that's something that has really changed within United. There's no mediocrity from anyone. Everyone works hard off the ball. Um, everyone wants to help each other. There's no. There's a lot less complaining. There's a lot more structure to our play. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows uh, their roles very, very clearly. Like yesterday, for example, I mean, uh, when we played City, Fred was suddenly thrown into the starting lineup and he had a very clear job Um as to manmark, I mean, both rather both Casemiro and Fred were made aware of who they need to mark. One had to mark De Bruyne, one had to mark Mark Bernardo Silva. So, you know, players 
like Fred, for example, doesn't start every game, but I think in training, it's drilled so well to them such that, you know, when they are expected or rather when they are thrown into the first team lineup, they perform, you know, and that is something we haven't seen. And and it's good finally that we don't rely on like McTominay and Fred, the whole McFred bullshit like is gone. Those days are over and like we have a proper solid midfield like Ericsson. Ericsson is a different class. Casemiro is world, yeah, Casemiro is world class. Then our back line, we I mean at this point Luke Shaw is playing centre back and he's doing wonders wonders at the back, you know. He's keeping out uh uh our what was his name? Oh yeah, Lisandro Martinez, sorry, I forgot about it. But um yeah, I I think it's just it's great that no players are stepping up and uh, you know, there's this whole Ronaldo debacle especially could have caused a lot of disunity among the club, you know. I guess the timing of it helped because uh, people were away in the World Cup and, you know, the core group was still training with Den Haag and that's how you see the emergence of players like Aaron Wan-Bissaka who's had a very rough um, few, I, I'd say few few months actually. And to see him flourish against City, I think that's very, very impressive, you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a great season thus far. Uh, I don't think we're going to win the league if I'm being very honest. If we do, I, I would I, mean, I would love to see us do it, but realistically, realistically, it's either City or Arsenal, like as, as much as I hate to admit it, you know. So, even despite likely, being a point behind City, you'd still say it's between two of us, of course, because City have the experience. Pep likes to play these mind games, you know, where you're like, oh, we, we, we're actually done with, we, we're not uh, in the title race and all that. Ah, BS. BS. It's all mind games. He, he is, he knows very, he, let me tell you what he would have told the, told the players after full time, you know, he would have probably absolutely obliterated them, you know. There's no way he's accepting mediocrity like that. To come, I mean, especially given the previous fixture, how it was, the, the absolutely thumbtastic three, where both Haaland and Fodham scored a hat-trick I think losing to us was probably not in the plans at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think... Um, I mean, to yeah, be fair, I'll how... just say one thing about cities. They just don't look that same thing which they exactly were last season. Like, don't get me wrong, Haaland has come in and scored a huge ton of goals. But I see that the winkling in City is that if he gets injured, they're going to struggle for goals. Like, not in a whole big perspective, but at least struggle in that sense that it will become a lot harder for them to score. Because one thing which I've noticed mm-hmm. is most of their goals are coming from him, which is not the same for us also. If you look at us, all our goals are spread across the front four. Each person has about eight or nine goals each across the front four. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's going to make a bigger impact to City if they lose Haaland than it did to us when Jesus got injured because you saw Eddie came in and he scored a few goals as well. He's been contributing mm-hmm. really well. So I guess it's yeah. going to come down to a bit of luck as well, like who gets a better, how do I put it, injury-less record into the season as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. Um, yeah, I think injuries are going to be a huge part. I thought either after Jesus' injury, you guys will be exposed a bit. But uh, that clearly hasn't been the case. So uh, I guess kudos to Ateta and... I mean, close to the people replacing, like, you know, as you mentioned, Eddie, um, bro. Eddie, Eddie, yeah. Eddie has, Eddie Eddie's has looking like a beast, man. Picture. Yeah. yeah honestly, if you watch him play, he's been looking like a proper beast. Yeah, like, he is. Like the Eddie I knew from one year ago, it's nowhere to be seen. Like, 
the man's improved his first touch immensely, uh, Arjun. Like, you remember the Eddie we used to know, his first touch used to be like the 10 yards ahead of him, bro. Now it's like he's turning defenders over and scoring that goal against West Ham, which is insane. Yeah, I think yep. as, a, as a striker, if you want to become a, a top striker in the Premier League, you need to have different... Eddie was kind of just like a... Uh, Eddie was just kind yeah. of like a poacher, you know, like a fox-in-the-box kind of player. But now, yeah. like, as Yash mentioned, you know, he's involved in link-up. He's, he knows how to turn on... He knows how to do a half-turn. He knows how to find different angles to score. And that's not exactly something uh, he was known for just a couple of seasons ago. So, I mean, yeah. credit, credit, credit to Arteta and his coaching team. I think most of the young players in our, in our team have, yeah. have benefited massively from whatever teaching them. Uh, like, it's, it's clear to see, like, the improvement is... Season on season is is quite palpable. It's quite, and like the table just reflects that. Yep. Yep. Okay. So since we've talked extensively about Man United and Arsenal, it's only right to end off the episode with some score predictions. So we have the massive fixture <laughs> of uh, the. I mean, it's it's going to be happening at the Emirates. Uh, we have United Arsenal. Oh, uh, uh, you have a midweek game course. though. Ah, yeah, we have Palace in midweek. But um, do do you guys have a midweek game? No, that's why. Yeah, that 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 would play a big role actually for you guys. It's a big advantage to you guys, in my opinion. And uh, so yeah, score predictions, boys. Come on, go ahead. Arjun, I I, I don't think I think United will score because, funnily enough, our defensive record is worse at home than away. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. probably to do with the fact that we probably go a bit more gung ho at home. You know. With the fans yes. supporting us, I think there's going to be goals in the game. Uh, I'm going to go for like a three-two to Arsenal, just because it will be amazing to have a thriller kind of game. I think this could be a game of season because really, I think we are the two form teams in the league. Uh, mm. If you're a United fan, you should be confident. If you're an Arsenal fan, you should be confident. It's there's really not much in it, uh, the way both teams are playing right now. I just give the edge to Arsenal because I think, uh, we I mean we are at home one. Another thing is that I think we are we are slightly ahead in the process. You know, we spend a lot more time under. Yeah, I think he meant to say Ateta. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we got your point. We got your point. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's. Uh, yes. Um, I would probably say a three zero to Arsenal. Oh my god. Okay. And the reason I, I say that is because I feel the midweek game is going to be a huge difference. You guys are playing Thursday night, if I'm not wrong. And the game's on Sunday, so that's just two, three days to recover. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, So I that's it, one thing. We have a, role, but 3-0 is a bit of a stretch. I mean, I, you can, I, you can, if, if we lose 3-0, you can put, take this snippet and put it all over social media. It's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. But come on, man. 3-0, really. No, the thing is, I look at this Arsenal team. I just have a lot of faith in us that we can score a few goals. Like anything which comes to the Emirates, we we can break down. Knowing United, they're going to be a bit more expressive. I I I do see us scoring three goals, lah. Honestly, if, if for the Spurs game, or even the Spurs game could have easily scored three or four goals in the first half. Yeah, the, so, I mean, see, that's fair, you know. That's so, what they are so what my my whole point of saying is just that I know that the home advantage is going to be big. United are going to be a bit tired from the midweek game. We have a full week rest. All our boys are fit, so. I don't see why not we can have a 3-0 plus. I, w- I would love a United battering, to be honest. So that's also it. 
Yep, no, no, not a not a tinge of bias there. And um, <laughs> it's about me, time. Uh, it's about time. You know, Arteta takes out the three-one scoreline, puts it on the you know his whiteboard in the Emirates Stadium, and sh- you know, like how we did it against uh the Troy Diniz tweet in the Amazon series. Use yep. that as a motivation to fuel the boys to like you know we got to go and smash this. Uh, well, I I was gonna say something else, but yeah, smash these people basically. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Um. Three zero. Okay. Three zero is is a bit diluted if if I if I'm allowed to use that word. But uh. Okay. For my prediction, I'm going to be a bit realistic, pragmatic. I don't think we're going to win at the Emirates. I think it's really difficult to go out and go there and win at Emirates. But I think we will probably eke out a draw, and I think it's going to be a one-one draw. It's going to be a thriller. It's going to be a game of full of chances. But I think the keepers are going to come out on top. Um. But I think both teams have quality in them to score a goal each so for my prediction for this weekend is a one do you think United do you think United is just going to come and sit uh, I think it depends on who we play against Crystal Palace because if we're going to play the same players of course I don't think we're going to have the energy levels to sort of um, play a pressing game play a pressing game against you guys we might set up a bit similar to City how we did against City Um. But if we do rotate the squad a bit, I think we might take the game to you guys, you know. Uh, and but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar setup, uh, to what we did against City because, you know, Arsenal and City are quite alike in the in the way you guys play. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the same setup where we sort of hold our ground and defend. I mean, I just asked because like I, 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 I just asked because I don't watch United games, so I don't really know how they set up. So I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From I my mean, perspective, guys... whatever team which comes to the Emirates, they sit back because they know they can't attack. Apart from Liverpool, who even ended up losing still. So it's like, mm. yeah. So if you guys try to come ahead, I see you guys getting exposed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I see a very similar setup which we pulled up against City, where we know we sort of even at home we sort of allowed City to keep possession, but we were defensively very, very solid and uh, we were just playing on the transitions. And I think that's what I see us doing, especially given the pace uh, on all our front three men, actually. Like, even 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 Martial, you know, Martial is actually running for the ball. He's like chasing after the ball. So, for me, yeah, I, I, I think a 1-1 draw is fair. I think it's a, it's a fair result given where both teams are. Um, but I don't... I hope, I hope I'm proven wrong by getting a win. But realistically, pragmatically, I don't think I see us pulling off a uh, win at the Emirates. Yeah, I'm being perfectly honest. Um, yep, and I think that's about it, right, guys? Anything else you guys want to add? Okay, perfect. Okay, so we've come to the end of the episode once again. And uh, if you haven't checked us out, uh, please do check us out on Spotify and YouTube as the Next Team Podcast and Instagram and TikTok as the next team SG. So um, check out the content we're going to be posting, hopefully on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, it definitely will not be another six months till we upload. So please look out and support us as much as you can, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, and with that, we come to the end of the episode and we'll catch you guys in the next episode of the Next Team Podcast. Bye-bye.